Um, do you like your mom? Yes. Yeah? What do you like about her? She's she's cool. Okay. Um, what what's cool about her? Well I like I like when she makes breakfast, that's the best and when she make, and when she makes lunch, that's cool too. Okay. And when I make lunch and and when I go to school, when I eat lunch, I okay, love lunch. Okay, so let me get this straight. You like your mom because she lets you watch TV. Yes. And she makes you food. Yes. Oh, come on. No way, I actually pack my own lunch. Yeah, do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's true. Okay, well, do you have anything you want to ask me? What is your mom? What does your mom do? Um, my mom's grandma. Uh, she helps you. You mean my grandma? Yeah, that's how it works, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're just about done. Uh, I'll ask you one more time. Um, what? Why do you love your mom? Because I just love her. Okay. Cool. Got it. Um, what do you like about your mom? Well, um, I like the book my mom. She, sometimes she gets happy and sometimes she gets mad. Okay. Um, do you love your mom? Yeah. Does she love you? Yeah. How do you know she loves you? Because, um, I was born with my mom, with dad and my mom. So you are... Um, I'm a perfectionist. You're driving for yourself, right? Because I don't get the impression that you give a shit about... Well, I mean, I'm sure you give a little bit of shit, but you don't give a shit about what I think. You know, you don't give no, a shit about like... not at all. You know, like, I did my fucking best. Yeah. You're beating yourself up enough. This is totally internal. Like, it's totally internal. <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome to your eulogy. This episode, I interview my sister-in-law, Danielle. Um, you heard some cute little excerpts of me talking to her kids. Um, that's not what the interview is. The interview is mostly with Danielle. Um, and she is in, an inspiring person. I really like her. Um, she talks about um, control, uh, being a bit obsessive in schedules and planning ahead, and how that affects how she thinks about life and death. Um, she talks about her miscarriage. Um, she talks miscarriages. She talks about kids um, and work and a lot of stuff. And it's a delightful interview. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. Yeah, it is funny interviewing people because you do think about things um, from a sensational standpoint. Um, and sensational is the negative form of that, but you do think about things from like, um, you know, what grabs attention, what is important, and you kind of have to juggle if this thing is actually important or if does it just sound important. Like I talked to my friend who's like um, got like depression and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could just be doing this because it's what related. to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. Let the spirit guide you. I'll answer <laughs> your questions. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, welcome to your eulogy, the podcast where I talk to someone about their life so that we can talk about their death. Today on the interview, I have my sister-in-law, Danielle. Um, she is a speech, not therapist, patho- therapist? Patho- you could use either interchangeably. Okay. Um, she, she helps uh, people with um, bad throats and dry mouth and things in hospitals so that they can have um, tracheas, wait, trache- tracheotomies put... So they can talk and swallow after a trach or just swallow after some form of impairment. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I should have just asked you what you did or have done um, three seconds worth of Googling. <laughs> to, to um, I, I start each episode with a joke about death. Um, I saw my buddy and I was like, hey man, I thought you died. And he was like, I did. I came back. And I was like, why wasn't heaven great and he goes no it was boring i don't know what i was expecting though we all knew it was designed by religious people (laughs) okay (laughs) getting into the interview (laughs) um the the big thing i really wanted to talk to you about was um control um your personality um and your your brain is very ordered and i feel that you have uh, very good systems to like get through life to keep things organized even before you had kids like you were pretty like you know I love control yeah yes <laughs> can, can you give me some examples um well before I had kids um I don't know I I like what's expected um I ate the same thing for breakfast for approximately three years which was a brown sugar oatmeal breakfast bar. <laughs> I would prefer to have that than something else. I would prefer to have that than go out to breakfast because I know it tastes good and makes me feel good. Yeah, breakfast, you don't want to mess with that. Totally. You, you are one of the few people that actually will read the end of a book before doing it. Do I remember that correctly? Incorrect. Oh, I'm sorry. I won't read the end of the book, but I do something weird. Um, I genuinely like to read, so I like the work up to the end of the book but i dislike movies so when i watch movies i do wikipedia the movies i figure out what the end is going to be and then i decide if i want to continue watching or not because inherently it could be a waste of my time and i might not like it yeah so that's weird i know (laughs) what about in food you're pretty specific in right yes yeah, you're you have a good um, assembly line of like lunches. Oh yes, yes I sure do. <laughs> I plan most things on Sunday or well Monday really. I prep all my veggies for the week. I put them in individual baggies. I do this for myself, and I also now do it for the children, <laughs> and I love it because I feel like if like if I don't have a plan going in, then. A, I like don't eat or B, don't eat well and then I end up feeling awful. Yeah, I, I once, um, uh, I, I lived with you and Pat, uh, my brother, um, for a couple months and I remember you had, I got like some chocolate chips or something 
and then I was like, oh, hey, you, you, you want one or two or something? And you're like, nope, I had like two gummy bears earlier today. <laughs> yep. Um, that is another thing that I do. I like to ration things, which is what Pat calls it. But I I don't know. I like to max, like if you have something that's good, like I want to maximize it. And like, I feel like I can easily get to the point where something good isn't good anymore. So I'd rather just like leave it in the good spot. Yeah. Um and I don't know if you still do this, probably not. Um, but how many times do you go to the bathroom <laughs> before bed? Before bed, <laughs> three times. Still? Yep. Well, uh, maybe I. Well, I kind of have narrowed it down to two. Meaning, I go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, wash my face, go to the bathroom again. Wait, wait, like wash your face you go out and do more stuff no okay no <laughs> so all all in the bathroom i remain in the bathroom for the duration of this <laughs> i do not flush the first time to make it seem like i haven't gone twice <laughs> but i've really gone twice and then i go up to bed and i either doodle on my phone for a little bit or close my eyes and try to sleep but the reality is is i really can't sleep until i go to the bathroom one last time and then I go downstairs, and I go to the bathroom, and then I go back to bed, and I can fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. Do you know why I do that? Did I ever tell you why? No. <laughs> Would you like to know? <laughs> that doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I like was like eight, I peed the bed three times in a summer, which is like when you're eight, that's way too old to pee the bed. Mm. And each time I peed the bed, I like must have just like not gone to the bathroom before like going to bed because I wasn't nuts about going pee three times at that time. With that being said, I had the most amazing bathroom dream ever, which is like you feel like you're going to, like you feel like you walked into the bathroom. You feel like you have gone to the bathroom. It's been an amazing pee. And then you leave and you go back to bed. And then like in the morning you wake up and you're like, What? Like, I peed the bed. So this is what happened. It happened three times in a summer, and my mom was really upset about it. And, like, I don't know, she kind of, like, got mad because I was an eight-year-old peeing in the bed, and she had to clean the mattress. So I think at that time is when I started peeing three times before bed. Yeah, I find it amazing that I'll have dreams where I pee. I think I even had a dream where I took a dump, like, a couple weeks ago. And it's like, we everyone walks around and people are so stupid you know look at you know x y and z and it's like well yeah we should make fun of stupidity but like we're pretty amazing creatures because like we're able to go to sleep well except for eight-year-old versions right. of you <laughs> have the sensation and actually <laughs> urinate in like your your brain and and your body still is like in control you know. yeah my body was not in control i have not peed the bed since but I live in fear of that. <laughs> yeah. So I'd rather have control of that. That's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. are, is, are either of your parents or your brother or any any of them that, like, um, I don't want to say, like, obsessive. Um, but, I mean, it is obsessive. It's totally obsessive. Because it's obsessive-compulsive disorder. 
So yeah. we're not at the disorder point. Mm-mm. No, I am just obsessive about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that like I probably get a little bit of it from both of my parents, but I didn't feel like either of them were c- like controlling like when I grew up, grew up necessarily and in, in, like in a way to proliferate my behaviors. Like I think that this is part of who I am. Yeah. I think my mom probably would be like shocked to know that like that's that I pee three times before bed and that like maybe her reaction made me obsessive about it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do, do they, does your mom exhibit any, because she seems to clutch pretty tightly um, in regards to religion and like faith. Mm-hmm. Do you think this, and this is kind of bullshit psychoanalysis, but perhaps do you think it's uh, a different direction of a underlining, underlying anxiety? Absolutely. Totally. So like instead of going for like full um, existential religion, you are going, doubling down on reality. Right. Totally. Absolutely. I think I am naturally an anxious person. I absolutely think my mom is like, I think I'm just set that way. And I don't think I'm at a place where like, it's like limiting to my everyday life, but it definitely does shape what I choose to do or what I choose not to do. Mm. I think Heidegger said something about like, you know, you can't understand like, like any philosophy has to start with the acknowledgement of death. Um, do you have any um, fears or is is it too far away for you to um, consider? No, I mean, I think absolutely not. And I think that's mediated by my job. I mean, I work in inpatient care. I work with patients who are really ill. Um, some patients are actively, are dying or actively dying. Some patients have avoided death and have like years and years of recovery. Um, so I think I'm like sort of immersed in that world. And that's not one thing that I'm anxious about. Mm. I, I feel okay about that it's gonna happen I just feel like I would just hope that it would happen in a more delicate way than I've seen it happen for some other people um so what do you think your anxiety serves is it do you want to do you have an idea of life that you want to execute do you think it's just a natural part of your brain that would be there without any um you know, prefrontal cortex um, direction? Yeah, that's a good question. I honestly don't know. I mean, I never really had like dreams of grandeur in regards to like what my life would be. I suppose I always assumed that like I would have a job and I would be a mom like but and like would be married. But I like never really like had like I want X, Y, Z to make my life complete. So I don't think necessarily my anxieties stem from there. I think it's really just more of like I think it's part of who I am like and how my brain Mm -hmm. is and more than anything a lot of times I just like want to know that it's going to be okay and and that's like a pretty broad statement like what does okay mean to me like sometimes I don't even know and sometimes that changes from day to day when you go to bed at night do you feel like relaxed like I did it and do you wake up nervous or is it the other way around where you wake up ready to go and everything adds up throughout the day yeah i think i wake up ready to go and then everything adds up throughout the day ah mm-hmm. that's interesting mm-hmm. i'm the opposite really i wake up like oh shit you know yeah i don't feel that way when i wake up i usually i'm like okay but then like the stress of the day and like all of the things that are like i feel like i'm under attack sometimes by way of the day mm-hmm. whether it be like trying to get out the door like to get the boys to school or trying to like 
get the smoothie together. I mean, it's like simple things, but it's just like all of these things are just like things that I like need to like make it through and they they pile up. So so the the little devil on your shoulder is just like, get the smoothie together. Totally. You're going to be late. Ah, and it's like, does it really matter? Like, yeah, it does it. What, what happens? What do you feel when um, you're late or you forget that um, there was like a doctor's appointment for like Andrew so you had to like ditch work early does it feel do you have like shame about that or do you just what 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 do you go through I don't think it's necessarily shame I just feel like it just makes it's just such a hassle and I tend to get like like I'm not meeting the requirement of what I need to be doing so you are um I'm a perfectionist. You're driving for yourself, right? Because I don't get the impression that you give a shit about... Well, I mean, I'm sure you give a little bit of shit, but you don't give a shit about what I think. You know, you don't give a shit about like... not at all. You know, like, I did my fucking best. Yeah. You're beating yourself up enough. This is totally internal. Like, it's totally internal. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, I really don't care. And like, about like what... Like, like you would say about like me being late or whatever. But like, for me, like, it's important to me to be on time. And if I'm not on time that becomes stressful Mm. but and you know sometimes i feel like since i've had the boys i've gotten to the place where i can be like you know what this is okay because some days this is just what it is so i feel like in some ways i've like backed off on like the need to be like perfect perfect (laughs) whatever it is but some days it's definitely still like raging there you know i i tried to write a joke once where it was something like I wouldn't have a low self-esteem if I didn't have such high expectations for myself. Yes. Like, if I just didn't think I was supposed to be the best fucking person in the world. Right. My self-esteem's actually good. Right. It's not that bad. It's just like, I think I should be doing like this and like, what am I doing half the time? You know, trying to make it through the day of everything. Cool. I so, don't know, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a bit of a paradox. Um, I know. <laughs> it's, it's great that you aren't as weighed. Um, you don't have uh, societal considerations weighing on you as much as other people, but you're an asshole to yourself. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, I think, I mean, it goes in waves, right? There's times where, like, you're, like, feeling good and, like, I'm doing a really great job. Like, I, like, am, like, satisfied and feeling comfortable. And there are times where I'm like, ugh. How do you see uh, in the hospital, um, do you see anyone dealing with death in um, in a particularly eloquent way or particularly awful <laughs> way? Yeah, I mean, I've seen, like, there's all different. Yeah, absolutely. Like, both, for sure. Um, I think that, Sometimes, like, for families who are dealing with it in, like, maybe not the the best way, I think that the emotions come out sideways. They're mad at each other. They're mad at staff. They're mad at, you know, they're just angry. Um, a lot of times, like, in the world that I work in, like, there's a lot of, like, complex decisions to be made. And sometimes those, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's not agreement, it's just messy um but then again i've seen you know i've seen families who are just really together and and patients too you know they're ready and they want they want it yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how do you think our family is? <laughs> Your family doesn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> very much. Um, you know, I don't know, really, to be honest. I feel like... I feel like the Schneeman family, while they don't talk about it, they, they like, you know, see the glass as overflowing most of the time. Um, maybe that's, like, a little bit of a protect mechanism, but it does seem like everybody handles it well enough, you know? Like, because I think everybody is, like, being true to themselves to, to some extent, you know? They're being honest with themselves. That's what I like to believe anyway. <laughs> and then nobody's saying anything about it. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's funny that we have a negative impression of ghosts because I think it would be nice for ghosts to be real, like for us to have this buffer between life and death because complete nothingness <laughs> seems a bit scary but it would be nice to just be able to like go on pause for a moment and like just like let go of the world as a ghost and just kind of like you know evaluate it <laughs> from a distance from like a totally yeah like distance a different perspective that'd be weird i don't know do you believe in ghosts i don't know of course not <laughs> me either <laughs> why would i i don't know here's the thing <laughs> If, if ghosts exist, they would they would talk to us, you know? I don't know. I mean, some people claim that they've seen a ghost slash talk to ghosts. I mean, I just don't understand, like, why things would exist without being able to communicate and, like, coexist with us. You know, like aliens. Like, why would aliens come billions of light years across the galaxy just to, like, you know, take a sneak peek and, like, not be seen? I don't know. Yeah, I said that my friend was like, oh, it's like Star Trek, you know, the prime directive. And I was like, oh, you're using a piece of fiction from the 50s to (laughs) disprove. (laughs) To disprove this concept. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know why we have a negative concept of them. It's because it's unknown, probably. What do you you think your your emotional connection is with people when they die? Do you feel tied to them like if someone close to you dies do you feel you know untethered do you feel actually kind of connected um in a different way i don't to be honest i'm not totally sure um short of like my miscarriages i haven't really lost anyone who is really close to me Mm. um and yes like i've lost three of my four grandparents but two of them didn't speak English. So there was like a communication barrier. And then my grandfather lived far. So we didn't really, like we weren't really close. Um, my host, like high school friend, like I feel like we were friends, but we were also maybe more acquaintances. So like, I feel like to really have like that deep seated loss of someone I know like really well, like hasn't necessarily happened. Mm-hmm. What was it like, um, Speaking of, of your miscarriages and speaking of your amazing ability to control everything. <laughs> yes. What, was that the, <laughs> the most frustrating, like emotionally taught thing that I would think it would be? Yeah, it was absolutely. Um, and I don't think it would be easy for anyone under any circumstances, but I think that for the way that I'm set, I think it was particularly hard because like you do everything right Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't matter and that's sort of mind-blowing 
because I really haven't had a lot of loss in that regard. Generally, if I want something, I work hard. Well, I make sure the expectation is reasonable. I never want anything that's unreasonable that I can't necessarily obtain. So, like, so like if if I decide that that's what I want or want to do, then I just work to make it happen, and it tends to happen. Yeah. So this was the first time where it's like, well, like I mean, like I'm young, I'm healthy, like I eat right, like how is this happening? But yet it is. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, took a toll. That's for sure. Mm. What was, um, what did it feel like in terms of, of like, your body and your personhood? Um, did it feel different than, um, than, like, when you had kids later? Um, because it happens at an earlier stage. Yeah. Do you, do you, were you... That's hard. I guess I'm asking you if you... Do I think that, like, the little embryos were humans? Yeah. I'm kind of tiptoeing around it. Yeah, you are. It's okay. <laughs> um, so do I believe the little embryos were humans? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, am I one of those folks... Like, I've heard all sorts of things. Like, some people have told me that I've needed to name my unborn babies and bury them to make it okay for me. Which, like, do I feel like I need to do that for me? Not necessarily. Um... I think that to have a miscarriage is, it's, it's really like a loss of like hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. and it's even hard to talk about a little bit. Like, like you, like after like my first miscarriage, like and that was just so shocking because that was like unbelievable. Even though like the statistics statistics are fairly high that like someone will suffer a miscarriage at some point. Um, but again, the disbelief that you, that that's happening. And then upon being pregnant again, like I found myself like promising this baby that I would take care of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, couldn't like, it's just not up to you. So I think that it does like wreak havoc. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, I, like whether you believe that's a baby or not, I think is moot. It's already something that you like are like connected to in some way. Um, and like to have hopes and dreams that like aren't going to be or to have that change I think is hard in a way that it will change you yeah change your whole like outlook and being I think I'm a different person because of said miscarriages uh-huh it, it, it seems particularly unfair based on what you said about how you make sure to not set your sights right. too high. Not like, too high. Like you, you're not, you know, you're not tempting fate, you know? No, the old reasonable standards are the best way to achieve. <laughs> that, that, that's a, it's, it's funny because it's, in a way it's a, a safe and logical way to live, but in another way, it's even more risky because bad things, you know, will happen and things won't work out. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, you won't have your own stupidity, to, you know. Because I right. got, I got a <laughs> handful of reasons for why shit doesn't go my way. <laughs> when I'm like, man, how come I didn't play the, you know, Super Bowl? Right. I know it does make it like a little bit harder. You're right. It does make it a little bit harder because you're like, I'm doing all that I, I did all that I could. 
and I controlled. And maybe that's just it. Like, you did all that you could, so you got to be okay with it. Yeah. There are certain things you can't, like, certain things that, like, we as people can't be in control of. And I know that even though, it, like, I like to be in control as much as possible. Yeah. I, and I, I think you do a really good job. You do yoga. Um, did you do, do you do meditation? Did you mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, like um, prana, the, like breathing stuff. I do some breathing stuff, yeah, um, but not frequently. But I will say that it is really helpful when I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's um, that's impressive, and I'm I'm sorry that for you to be able to um, come to terms with control. You know, you had to. Um, you know, suffer some sad things um, mm-hmm. and be witness to, you know, child death <laughs> and stuff to make you. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure you would like your kids, even if you didn't have to, you know, bear witness to right. literally the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure I think they're all right, you know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I asked them before this um, why they like you. Did they say that they don't? Um, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew was just like, I was like, I, li- I like my mom or I love my mom because. She lets us watch shows sometimes, which is that's cool. And this time she lets us watch Dora, which I love Dora. She lets me watch TV <laughs> and she makes me breakfast. And I was like, she doesn't let you watch. Like, <laughs> you like your mom when she acts the way she doesn't normally act. Right. That's exactly it. Well, it's better than like, you know, not very long ago, they were both like, we don't like you. We like daddy. And I was like, well, I know. He's more fun. <laughs> I'm teaching you the rules. <laughs> yes. I, I, we shall begin our lifelong process of teaching you what the patriarchy is. I'm like, I'm well aware of this. This is, this is a <laughs> bullshit standard. Here we are. <laughs> I know. Um. And then Charlie said, "My, like my mom because um some I like my mom when she gets mad and happy." You like her when she gets mad and happy? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's maybe it wasn't just a full thought, but maybe it was a beautiful way of him being able to see like you as a full person. I don't know. I, you know, I do think it's interesting how, like, the bo- like, I mean, fast forward, like, you know, 15 years, what will the boys, like, think about, like, their mother? Like, mm-hmm. will they know that I pee three times before bed? Yeah, some people aren't that interested in their parents. Right? Which is weird. I don't know. Because it's like, it tells you everything you need to know about yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, And now we're going to take a break and you can do some writing and we'll be back in five seconds of ambient noise for the listener. Okay, it's a little sloppy. So, I've lived my life the way I've chosen to do so and I'm thankful for who I've become and the experiences that I've had. To die is to relinquish control, so I suppose I'll just let go. Um, to Pat, I love that your glass is overflowing. I'm not just tolerating it. I hope you impart your joy onto the boys. And to Andrew and Charlie, you are thoughtful, kind boys, and I hope 
you find yourselves as you grow. Love you always. This has been your eulogy. Thank you to Danielle for being such a great uh, interviewee. Uh, your eulogy is produced by me, Matthew Schneeman. I did the music and editing for this episode. Uh, that's it. Thank you for listening.